As you make your way back to your seats, you might like to take out uh, your Bibles. We're going to open up. Um, we're going to open up to the book of Luke, chapter two. That's where we're going to head. We'll get there. But at first, kind of as a little prelude, intro, I'm going to just read a couple of verses from Matthew 1 to kind of set the scene, I guess you could say. I had someone ask me in that that time, Paul Edstein asked me, now you're going to introduce the newlyweds. And I looked at him and I thought, have I I missed something here? But of course, last uh, Sunday, you may have seen, if you hung around after church, we... There was a mock wedding ceremony that I had to complete, an assignment to complete for this Cert 4 that I'm uh, doing to be able to get my marriage license. And I had to have a couple uh, to do a mock wedding with 20 people in attendance. So welcome to Philip and Chloe, Justin and Catherine. That was their, uh, that was their uh, case study names. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, that was, uh, I think we nearly caused a few accidents with cars driving around the corner. Some guy nearly went up on the curb at one point as he was watching, had someone ask me afterwards, um, was that a real sermon? They just stopped on the road, in the middle of the road, and wound the, wound the window down and said, was that actually a real ceremony? I said, oh, no, it was just a, you know, a fake one. So anyway, thankfully, no one was hurt in the filming of the fake, the mock uh, wedding. On that note, let's, uh, let's pray as we open up the Word. Well, Father, just thank you for a sense of joy and life that is in your house this morning. And uh, Lord, as we come to your Word, we thank you for the privilege that it is to open up your Word. God, I thank you that it is indeed living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, to penetrate, Lord God, and pierce through into our hearts, God. I thank you that that means that it penetrates and pierces through confusion to bring clarity. It penetrates and pierces through hopelessness to bring hope. It penetrates and pierces through depression and despair to bring your peace and your joy, Lord God. It penetrates and pierces our hearts, bringing conviction, truth, and joy. And I pray for all those things this morning, Lord, that by your Spirit you would breathe life into the words that I speak, that hearts would be open to hear what you would have to say to us today. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, in case you hadn't realized, Christmas is, a, is around the corner. It's fast approaching. And last week, of course, we kind of started this, I guess you could call it a series or Christmas-themed messages. Andrew looked at family, how family matters, how Jesus himself came in the midst of a family and how at this time of year, family is front and center for good or for bad. And there was an invitation to invite God into that space where there may be hurts, where there may be strained relationships. Allow him into that space to bring healing, to bring freedom. So we looked at family. And today I'm going to continue on that Christmas kind of themed message. Let me just read out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says, uh, sorry, 20. The Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. 
Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Who's been listening to carols already? Yeah. I've heard them in the shops for the last little while, you know, just in the background at doing the grocery shops. But certainly in the last week or two in, in our household, we've put up the Christmas tree and the decorated it and the little stockings that we've got up, the advent calendar that we have. And certainly we've been playing the carols. We've got a couple of go-to CDs for this time of year, some, you know, um, uh, I guess original style Christmas carols, but some more modern contemporary takes on that as well. And it just, I love the Christmas carols. I love what they say. I love the truth that they express about who God is. I love the truth they express and proclaim about Jesus, about the nature of salvation. And over the last couple of years, it's just, I guess, the way that perhaps the Lord works at times with me, that there's been a particular phrase or a lyric that has jumped out at me as we've kind of led up to Christmas, um, just that I've spent some time focusing on, reflecting on. And so that's kind of forming the basis or the theme, the title of my message this morning. And it's this, it's the thrill of hope, the thrill of hope. And you may Remember the uh, Christmas carol, O Holy Night, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The thrill of hope. It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? As we approach Christmas, as we remember Jesus, do you have the thrill of hope in your heart? Thrill, by definition, means a feeling of excitement, pleasure, and joy. Perhaps we could say the excitement, the pleasure and joy at the hope that we have in Jesus. Who remembers the thrill of Christmas time that perhaps you had as a child? I can remember uh, when I was young and growing up, it was always a special time of year. And I remember this one year, my family, we were down at the coast for Christmas. And uh, the, I woke up very early on Christmas morning. Nothing was stirring. It was, you know, quiet and... I snuck out of my bed and had a look at the Christmas stocking, the Christmas sack that we had, just to see what was in there, you know, to see if kind of there was that thrill of hope for me. And as I looked, I peeked through and took some things out. Oh, this is good. Oh, wow, amazing. I was excited. Put it back, got back into bed, and then, of course, my sisters woke up and my parents, and we came out. And it's actually, you know, I, I think I did it all right, but the thrill of hope the second time, it's a bit harder to kind of fake, but oh, thank you, wow, this is amazing, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And even this week in, in putting up our Christmas uh, tree and other things at home, uh, of course, our, our boys are very excited at Christmas time. And we had a couple of mornings this week where our youngest, he came up, and I think that, that, that sense of hope and expectancy, but not coupled with the understanding of days and the times. I was woken uh, on two occasions this week. Daddy, how come there's no presents in the stockings? How come there's no presents under the trees? And so I had to get up and calm and say, it's okay, it's not Christmas yet. It'll be there in a few weeks' time. The thrill of hope, the thrill of hope. He had this thrill of hope as he woke up expecting to see. And there will be something there in a couple of weeks' time. But as we've just read in Matthew, when talking about the thrill of hope, I believe the best news of hope for us is this. 
that there is a saviour for our sins. Jesus, you can call his name Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. We're not dead in sin, we're not stuck in bondage, we're not without hope, we're not in darkness, but God himself has made a way. And then we read on, Emmanuel, our God, is with us. He dwells with us personally and he dwells with us corporately even here this morning. So this morning I just want to spend a little bit of time uh, unpacking and talking about the thrill of hope, what it is and how it's ultimately found in Jesus, of course. But look at what, it, what does it look like to have it operating in our lives, this sense of hope and expectancy from a biblical perspective. But then I want to just bring this exhortation for us today to hold on to our hope, to allow Jesus to bring renewed hope or ignite fresh hope in our hearts this morning. Because as we approach Christmas, as we, as we set our hearts on Jesus afresh, as we prepare our hearts to remember his coming, we can't do this without recognizing or reflecting on hope, I believe. The hope that is found in Jesus, this hope that is unshakable, unchangeable, and unconquerable. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, that we're called to be a people who are hope-filled, people who are bound in hope, as it says in Romans 15, I love that verse, whose hope would indeed be unshakable and unconquerable, even no matter what is maybe happening around us or what we're in the midst of in our lives right now. Because the Bible tells us that this hope that we have in Jesus is an anchor for our soul, Hebrews 6.19, that this hope that we have in him is something we should hold fast to without wavering, Hebrews 10.23, that this hope does not disappoint us or put us to shame, as it says in Romans 5. So let me ask you today, where is your hope this morning? Do you have, or is the thrill of hope alive in your heart or is it a distant glimmer? You know, it's so easy at this time of year, or any time of year really, if we're honest, to put our hope in circumstances or to put our hope in an outcome or to put our hope in, you know, things like, well, family stuff's going well, so therefore it's great. You know, put our hope in the holiday to help us refresh and recharge. Put our hope in the bank balance, you know, once all the bills are paid and all the presents have been bought. But I believe there's so much more that our hope is to be anchored to. Our hope can be crowded out by circumstances, by our busyness, by our own expectations or disappointments perhaps. But I believe that as we approach Christmas that the Lord is wanting to ignite fresh hope into the hearts and lives of his people. The thrill of hope to cause the weary to rejoice, to look and see the uh, new and glorious morn that he's bringing. Think about this, as we look throughout the scripture and as we reflect on uh, the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures that foretold Christ's coming, that pointed people towards the Messiah, we cannot help but see the hope-filled nature of them. I'll give you a couple of examples. We won't turn there just for the sake of time, but Isaiah 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. It goes on to talk about how the Lord will increase joy. The people will rejoice before him for the Lord has broken off burden and oppression. That sounds like hope to me. Or Isaiah 61, another well-known passage that Jesus himself quoted uh, in his ministry and life here. 
For it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of prison to those who are bound, the the time of the Lord's favor, comfort to those who mourn, and it goes on. That is the thrill of hope, I believe. That is the thrill of hope. And, And I've said this before, I think that it's worth reiterating that Jesus is still doing those things today. He's still bringing good news to the poor. He's still binding up the brokenhearted, bringing liberty to the captive, opening the prison of those who are bound, bringing comfort to those who are mourning. He's still bringing the thrill of hope so that the weary, the brokenhearted, the downcast, those who are longing to see God do something in their lives, in their situations, can rejoice. I think it's worth noting, I was just reflecting on this this week, that that hope a perfect world wouldn't need hope, would it? Because for hope to exist, there must be hopelessness. For a saviour to come, there must be a need for salvation. And it was in the midst of the darkness, as I just mentioned from Isaiah 9, in the midst of the brokenness that Jesus came. And it is in the midst of our brokenness and our mess and our wrestles and struggles that Jesus comes to bring hope. And so... This morning, uh, there's a particular emphasis that I feel that the Lord has put on my heart to bring out and unpack a little bit around this area of hope, the thrill of hope. And so two scriptures to hopefully encourage us in that, what living with, with this thrill of hope looks like, biblically speaking, and how it can be outworked in our lives, and how and why we can and should hold on to our hope. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 2. Verse 25. And it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, biblical hope, as we're looking at this morning and this the particular words used for hope in the New Testament 
refer to hope not in the sense of an optimistic outlook or wishful thinking without any foundation, but in the sense of confident expectation based on solid certainty. To hope actively waiting for God's fulfillment. We could say the confident expectation of good. So what does this thrill of hope look like? I believe in this account of Simeon, we actually see a hope-filled story. The thrill of hope at work in the life of this man. The Bible tells us that there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Now, just as a bit of an aside here, let me encourage you this morning that God sees and knows us right where we're at. There was a man in Jerusalem. It was like this appointed time. The Bible tells us he was devout and righteous. He was God-centered. He was a man of prayer, of worship. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the redemption of Israel, for the Messiah who had been prophesied to come. He was waiting for God to do something, we could say, looking for and hoping for God to act. But it was a long time coming. There was many silent years, wasn't there, between the New Testament and the end of the Old in terms of history. There were others who'd gone before, no doubt, who were waiting for this very same thing. Perhaps there were the naysayers, it's not going to happen. You're wasting your time. Why do you keep waiting and hoping for that which won't happen or hasn't happened? But the Holy Spirit was upon him. And this Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So in his life, he lived with this humble, faithful expectation. He was waiting in confident expectancy based not on his own desire just to see the Lord's salvation, although, of course, that would have been there, no doubt, but on God's promise, what God had spoken to him. For Simeon, it wasn't even so much the fulfillment of the promise per se that he was hoping in, but the hope of the world himself. That's where his hope was anchored in. Jesus, the Lord's salvation. Can you imagine for a moment for him living out his days, the thrill of hope, this expectancy, trusting and hoping and longing for God to do something, for God to act, the anchoring into God's promises, what the Holy Spirit had revealed to him. Is this it? Imagine the temple day after day. Oh, there's a child over there. Is that? No, no. Okay, that's all right. And then let the Holy Spirit leads him in and he sees Jesus. Imagine the joy. Imagine the thrill of hope when the, what the Lord had promised came to pass. And you know, the same spirit that had provided for the support and the sustenance of his hope in the waiting and in the longing now provided for the outpouring of his joy. And we see his response. He burst forth in joyous hymn, proclaiming Jesus' salvation, the one who would save the whole world. Jew and Gentile. You know, never have any that have hoped in God's word be made ashamed of their hope. And for us, as we think about this story and how it can even apply to us today, I think there's some things in this for us to take note of. As we live our lives with that heart posture of living with our eyes heavenward, 
living God-centered, to be welcoming Jesus, to be led by the Spirit, to be holding fast to our hope, even in the waiting, even in the longing. That confident expectation of good for he who promised is faithful. You know, that, that, that heart posture that says, I'm going to look for Jesus. I'm going to look for Jesus. I'm going to look for evidence of his salvation, of what he is doing. Just as Simeon would have had looking for the Lord's salvation as God had promised to him. Is this it? Is this it? What is Jesus? Where is, where is the Lord's salvation? What is he doing? We read about Anna, the prophetess as well. And in a similar vein, she had this, obviously, a God-centered life there in the temple, night and day, praying, fasting, seeking the Lord, holding on to hope. Now, the Bible tells us she was advanced in years and that she had known sorrow, deep sorrow. She lived with her husband for just seven years and then was a widow, and now she's 84, the Bible tells us. She was still holding fast to the Lord, waiting for God to do what he had promised. You know, sorrow did not dampen or destroy her hope. Think about all that was lost for her, all that was missed out on from a temporal sense, we could say. The loss of a life with a husband, of children perhaps, the grief of that, the longing. But sorrow did not dampen or destroy her hope. The years even though she was advanced in years, did not dampen or destroy her hope either. Day by day, she had kept her contact with him who is the source of strength and hope. And I feel strongly from the Lord this morning that this is for someone, at least one person, hopefully more, this focus on hope, this, this sense of stirring up hope in our hearts. Because whether you are young or old this morning, whether you're in a place of sorrow or pain, we can know the thrill of hope in our hearts. Where it may, it may have been dampened, allow the Lord to come this morning and breathe life afresh. If you have never known the thrill of hope this morning that comes through a relationship with Jesus, I pray that this would be the morning. What better time than now to come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus? Perhaps you're in a place today of longing to see something promised, fulfilled, longing to see something broken, restored, of longing to see the God of breakthrough break through in a particular area of your life. Let me encourage you in this, that let Jesus be where you place your hope today. What your hope is built on, not an outcome or not even the promise being fulfilled, the breakthrough coming, but Jesus. May you know the thrill of hope, that feeling of excitement, joy and pleasure at the hope that you have in Christ, the thrill of hope of what God is doing now, even when we cannot see what we may be hoping for. Let it arise in your hearts today. And I pray that you would know the joyful, confident expectancy as you prepare your heart for Christmas, remembering that Christ has come. And you know, if you're in that place this morning of longing to see the promise fulfilled, of longing to see the breakthrough come, of that place of feeling anything like the thrill of hope. Maybe you're sitting there like, Adam, you have no idea what I've gone through or what I'm facing right now. The thrill of hope, what are you talking about? Well, let me encourage you with an exhortation this morning to hold on to your hope. Would you turn with me 
to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 18. Let's go from 18. Of course, this is a prophetic scripture from Isaiah. It says, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Another translation says, his name will be the hope of the world. This, I feel the Lord put this scripture on my heart this week, and this particular verse, verse 20 and 21, just jumped out at me. This picture of a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench or snuff out. Think about this picture for a moment. Think about a bruised reed. I was going to go by Jerobombra wetlands this morning and grab one just to show, but I uh, forgot on my way. But a bruised reed, it should be standing tall and strong, but a bruised reed would be bent over. Not much hope there, broken, bent over, a state of weakness, of hopelessness, oppression perhaps. Something may have happened to it to be damaged. Just like our lives at times. A smoldering wick. You know, if you think about a, a candle and a flame, it should be burning brightly, shouldn't it? It should be ablaze with fire. But you know, a smoldering wick, when you've blown out a candle and there's just a little bit left and it's just blowing smoke, and you're like, well, I hope it doesn't set the alarm off. But it, it should be ablaze with flame. But you're just waiting for it to go out in that moment. It's languishing. It's expiring. Life can feel like that sometimes, can't it? But in Jesus, the bruised reed is not broken. It can be mended and restored. In Jesus, the smoldering wick is not snuffed out. Though it may seem dim, no, it may seem like a long time, uh, perhaps since it burned brightly, he is the one who tenderly cares for and brings back the flame to life to a clearer and stronger light. You know, there's encouragement, I believe, if we can grab hold of this this morning. He does not cast us off because of our weakness. He does not reject us because of our failure, but he supports us. He bears us up. He lifts our head. He comes alongside. He gives us the strength to continue to hope and to trust and to make us strong and strong than ever before. Even in the midst of the waiting and the watching, like Simeon, even in the midst of Lord, when is this happening? I'm continuing to hope in you. I'm continuing to long for and wait for your salvation and what you're going to do. Even in the midst of sorrow and the passing years, like Anna, the prophetess, continuing to hope and trust, knowing that a bruised reed he will, breed, he will not bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He mends the broken reed and rekindles the smoldering wick. Maybe I can invite the worship team up if that's right at this point. But what better time than the Christmas season than now as we prepare our hearts to remember and welcome Christ's coming to grab hold of this thrill of hope. To hold on to our hope. 
You know, there's a, there's a movie that, uh, it's one of my favorites, I, I like it. It's the Shawshank Redemption, so please don't uh, judge me for that. It's, um, there's great messages of hope and redemption right throughout, if you can look past the language, but it's no worse than what you hear, sporting fields and high school playgrounds or anything like that these days. But there's a quote in there, and there's the two of the main characters, Red, who's been in prison for many, many years, and Andy, who was uh, falsely accused and has been put in prison for something he didn't do. And this guy, Red, played by Morgan Freeman, he makes this quote, he said that, says that hope is a dangerous thing, it can drive a man insane. Whereas Andy, the other main character, he actually, his perspective is no, hope is the best of things, it's a good thing. And you know, I was just thinking about that uh, last night, how he says, you know, hope is a dangerous thing. And you know, it is when our hope is in the wrong place or in the wrong thing. If it's just based on something temporal or our own optimistic outlook or wishful thinking or something like that or an outcome. But when our hope is in Christ, it is the most wonderful thing. For it is based not on optimism or wishful thinking, but on solid certainty. For hope does not disappoint us or put us to shame. And so I pray that each and every heart, each and every one of us would know the thrill of hope this Christmas. In the midst of the mess, in the midst of what we may be facing, in the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the longing, in the midst of sorrow, all the years that have passed, that we would know the thrill of hope again this Christmas. That we would be a people who by the power of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 15, who abound in hope. Would you stand today? If you're able to. We're just going to finish with uh, a song of praise, turning our eyes again to the Lord Jesus. And uh, as the song comes to an end, I'll invite the prayer team forward and, uh, just to pray into a few things. But let's pray together just before we do that. Jesus, I thank you that you are our hope our hope that never fades. Lord, I thank you that you are the hope of all the world. Lord, I thank you that the hope that we have in you is indeed an anchor for our soul. Lord, help us to be a people who hold fast to our hope. Lord, who abound in hope, who know the thrill of hope, not as a a fleeting, temporal, passing thing, but something that is deeply embedded in our hearts, in our soul, Lord God. The thrill of hope, the joy, the excitement, the, the, the pleasure that comes from knowing you, Jesus. I pray this morning that all across this place, Lord God, that you would cause fresh hope to arise in our hearts, that you would ignite fresh hope, Lord God, that our hope would not just be in an outcome or something happening that we long to see, but it would be in you, Lord Jesus based upon you, founded upon you, Jesus. 
God, where there has been an overwhelming sense of hopelessness or despair, I pray even this morning that that would be broken off in Jesus' name. Lord God, that this would be a new season. As, this, as the Christmas carol says, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. I pray, Lord, even for just one person I feel, perhaps more, that, that this would be a time, a season of a new and glorious morn, Lord God. Where there has been mourning, there would be a new morning of joy and of hope, Lord God. I pray in your name, Jesus. So we just, we just turn our hearts towards you. We fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, as we finish this service this morning in worship. Lord, come by your Spirit. Stir our hearts, I pray. May we leave, as I prayed earlier, different from when we came in. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship together.